Um, All right, so what are we doing first? Number like, 100. Okay, we yeah. thought this season... <laughs> eat, eat my entire fucking arm. is a public service announcement. This is only a test. We are Hottest 100s and 1000s and we have taken control of your radio station. This is the podcast in which we talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hottest 100. My name is David Joe Armstrong. I am one of the four voices you are going to be hearing for another season or so. Yeah. You know the, the feeling when you're on a roller coaster and you're like, you realise you can't fucking get off. Oh, yeah. And you're like, you're just, oh, I'm committed to this oh, shit no, now. Oh, no, I've got to be on a roller coaster. Oh, <laughs> like, no. the, the notably unfun yeah. thing. Yeah. <sighs> So, here we are. Joining me once again, Adam Joe Armstrong. Hi. Andrew Joe Armstrong. So good to be back. And Trey Cool. Yes. <laughs> yes. So who did we snub then? <laughs> Mike Dirt. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> the fact that you couldn't remember his name is... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why I said it's fair. <laughs> they had a, um, a, a second guitarist for a yeah, period. Yeah, yeah, Jason White. Yeah. yeah. Who still plays with them live. It's not that he's, like, the third... The third coolest member of the band, but he definitely has the third. So you think someone else is the third coolest member of the band? <laughs> no, I just think he has the third. Well, actually, for me, but he, he has the third coolest name. Mm, true, Mike, that don't. that is for yeah, sure. I don't. think we can go back and forth about kind of fucking name is don't. Yeah, just it, it, drag it sounds him. Like Peter. Just get him. Don't. Don't. Yeah. Don't. Take him down, King. <laughs> What's up? I'm Billy Joe. What's up? I'm Trey Cool. Hey, I'm done. Don't, we don't even need to. Season eight is the season we don't even need to finish the intro before we start bagging people. <laughs> this is the bit. Uh, you may notice some of us have lost a little bit of hair, and that's because we have been dragged by our skulls, kicking and screaming into the 21st century. We're here. Oh, yeah. We made it. They said it couldn't be done. They begged it wouldn't be done. And we are back despite popular demand. We are here to prove the haters wrong. We are here to show you that Hardest 100s and Thousands is still on top. This is the only podcast about music on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) Also, if I could uh, for a minute channel my 12-year-old pedant, the new millennium actually starts in 2001. Because well, it does. <laughs> Willennium. Were you yeah. one of the guys yeah. that? Uh, As a twelve-year-old, I 100% brought that. Like kept saying yeah, that. Yeah, fully. Yeah, oh, I get. Oh, because I, it's true. Yeah. As as somebody who is who dies on the hill of the season starting on the equinox and the you solstices, yeah. I have to agree. Yeah. With you. Yeah. Hey, quick question: Who who gives a fuck? <laughs> I'm just saying but, that you know but you you're, you're that certain that like no one was walking around going like Happy Year Zero. Yes. Yeah, for sure. I'm pretty certain. You don't know. You don't know how people counted back then, man. But also, <laughs> all, right, all right. Yeah, they, it was like a computer, right? You start with but zero. Yeah. The first 100 numbers ends with 100. We don't oh. need to. I'm sorry. Is this hey, like Y2K really did break this fucking podcast, didn't it? Oh my god. Yeah. We're, well, we survived that. Uh, barely, barely. Clearly. Yeah. yeah. It is. A, it's a brave new world. Yeah. If, if you don't know what we're talking about, go back and listen to the live app. Please do. Uh, maybe at least, maybe um, even if you're one of the guys in the podcast who hasn't listened to it yet, maybe do that when you hear this one. So. Maybe. Is that you adding yourself? You haven't yeah. listened to it? 
Why not? It's good. I don't know. Man. I just haven't got around to it. <laughs> and wow. I've, I've, Fair enough. I've, I've you been, were there. I've been busy. <laughs> you were there, dude. You don't really need to listen to it again. No, but I like listening back to it because I think I'm... It's okay. Deej, <laughs> <laughs> what's number 100? <laughs> <laughs> number 100 is... Uh, oh, my God. It's it's Andrew's sex tape? Oh, no. Babe, 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 did you just put on your own podcast? Yeah. Yeah, it just helps, man. Just, just, just go with it. Oh, fuck. That was so funny. Oh, God, I'm funny. If, if anybody has rude listening to our podcast, please write in. Yes. 100% do. Yeah. Oh, my God. But also, why? Yeah. Is it because, like, you didn't expect things to get sexy and it was already on? Oh, sure. But also, yeah. like, I think that's a far stretch. Are you listening to this, like... Off headphones with other people? Are you doing communal <laughs> listens to this? Yeah, they got they, they got the that's he- weird enough. They got the, the headphone jack splitter. Oh, like, yeah. they're on, they're on yeah, that, that would that would get you in the mood. Yeah. <laughs> on the back oh. of the bus. <laughs> if you are boning to this podcast, then my number is 0403. <laughs> At number 100, this is Green Day with the title track from their album, Warning. This is a public service and nothing, this is only a test. Emergency evacuation protests. May impair your ability to operate machinery. Can't quite tell just what it means to me. Keep out of reach at your head, don't you talk to strangers, you Turn to the Triple J Hottest 100, making their debut. <laughs> no, sorry, no old bits, no old bits. I did promise that. That is the title track to their album, Warning. This was one of the key singles from this album and sees another degree of reinvention. Now, people like to point to American Idiot as the turning creative point for the band, but for me, you got to go to Warning if you really want to see like how they properly made that transition from where they were to where they ended up mm-hmm. like it is a for me it's kind of like a rubber soul in that it's like a mid-period record and I'm sorry like, by huh the rubber soul um yes by oh oh Paul oh McCartney yes and wings yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you by Ringo Starr it was just a, a pre-wings project it doesn't yeah. matter <laughs> uh-huh. okay. so like Rubber Soul, you see, as being the turning point for that pre-Wings band. And yes. This is... no, well, I, I see it as like an amalgamation, like a, like a kind of middle ground where it's just like, okay, so they're doing some slightly experimental stuff here. Oh, this sounds a bit like the old stuff, you mm. know? So it's yeah. like kind of that middle ground. It's an interesting record because like a lot of it's like acoustically driven songs like this and uh, maybe one other song we might be talking about in, at some point in the future who's to say a lot of it was like a real stylistic departure from like the power chordy electric guitar like that kind of pace sort of stuff i feel like billy joe has just always been someone who really appreciates like 
pop songwriting from like a vintage era, sixties and seventies in particular. You know, stuff like the Kinks and the Zombies and like the Pre Wings Band, etc., etc. I feel like he didn't quite know how to incorporate that into how the band worked previously. And with songs like this in particular, I I feel like you can really get that. I also feel like there's a strong connection to stuff like The Jam, which we've talked about very Mm -hmm. briefly, uh, thanks to our marathon uh, Hottest 100 1989 episode. This was met with, like, a really confused and muted response at the time it came out. Like, it was it was kind of a divisive record. Like, looking back on it, I can absolutely see why. But for my money, it might be the most underrated Green Day record in the entire archive. And this is one of the strongest songs that they've ever done. Wall-to-wall hooks. You know every bit of melody. You know that looping guitar bits. Yeah, just even even in the drums, just those tr- like triple snare hits, the boom boom ba ba boom ba ba ba, like stuff like that. It's power pop that just gets inside your head and takes up residency. I can recite this song backwards. It's one of those sort of songs that's just been part of my life for like nearly twenty years now. The, the words forwards. But just in reverse order, or like literally, like zip, up, nip, up, yeah, 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 and yeah. Yeah, which one? Oh, whoa, okay. Uh, probably the actual lyrics. Like, <laughs> right. I, I, not, yeah. not, okay. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, He's not a fucking savant. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not Missy Elliott. Yeah, I know that this record had certainly, like, at the time, was the. Like, oh, they're doing this now? Like, yeah. a, a lot of people weren't that mm. impressed with it. I also had this record as a youngster, Deej, and I had international super hits as well. And I was m- more gravitating towards, like, the pop punkier side, like, as a predecessor to me getting into, like, harder punk rock. So, like, from this record, like, I still today think Minority Slaps. Um, mm. Yeah. But this is um, such an interesting... The, like, bass is really prevalent in the mix. I really like mm. that. The acoustic guitar is warm. Um, it's got, like, a lot of acoustic textures. Yeah. Like, it's very it's very textural. It's, uh, it's real, like... Just kind of parroting what you said there, Deej. Um, like it's real that like that golden age of pop sound. Like you can you can really see it coming through like a Hessian speaker. It's got mm. that kind of aesthetic. Mm. Like that's um, cozy. Yeah, but I think that that strong sort of pop punk songwriting sensibility is still the thing that drives it through. Of course, and that's well, Billy Joe's really voice good. is just so bratty yeah. California. Yeah. That you can't mm. ex- escape it being pop punky. Well, people actually compare. Speaking of that uh, golden age pop thing, people draw a direct comparison between this song and a song by the Kinks called "Coloring Book." Yeah, right. Definitely has a kinksy kind of vibe. And like as I've mentioned numerous times, the kinks are one of my absolute favourite bands from that kind of 60s, 70s rock era. I go back and forth on this song. Like when I think about it and I'm not hearing it, I'm like, yeah, kind of just a middle-of-the-road single. But when it's on, I'm like, you know what? It's actually kind of fucking cool. I think it's real fun. It's a solid conceit for a song, just like the <laughs> lyrics are all just warning signs. Yeah. And, you know, like instructions yeah. on science and stuff. And, and he makes it Which work took, really well. It took me way longer than it needed to to figure that uh, out. Yeah, I can, yeah. yeah. The, 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 the video is quite fun for that as well. It's just a guy um, interspersed with Green Day playing and then this one guy going through a daily life of his and doing every possible thing that you shouldn't do. Like he jogs with scissors, he crosses the road without seeing <laughs> He works at a power plant without gloves on kind of thing. It's just every possible thing you could do to be like a, a bit of a fuck up in terms of safety he does it's this, this is the first track on the record which i think is a real like i've said before i really love the That's idea great. of like thesis statement songs for mm. records yeah yeah, yeah when the title track is the first song yeah, and, yeah it's uh, like an yeah. overture yeah but this says like a like going from the sound they had previously and it's being the first song you'd be like whoa this is yeah. a different green day it's because always- when an album opens it's like hey we're doing this now like yeah Deal with it and this is why it's such a great case study for what green day is at this time 
I think it's very endearing to think of Green Day as being a punk band that either slowly discovered how fun it is to write pop music or knew all along but it was like the forbidden fruit and they just <laughs> you know they just couldn't stay away from it for too long because look at like what you have in this song right it still carries with it a, a bit of a punk sensibility we're talking about warning signs and we're using that as a as a kind of metaphor for how the government tries to tell you what to do all the time or how authority tries to tell you what to do all the time but that in itself as a way of expressing it is a really pop, simplistic, mm. accessible, bite-sized kind of way of doing that. Like, yeah, mm. it, it, deep down in its heart, it, it, I guess it carries anti, anti-authoritarianism with it, but that's a real cute way of doing it, man. Yeah. Like, it's not, that's not the punkest way that you could, <laughs> yeah. you could think of doing it. It's so interesting knowing that they went from this and then, because I guess this was kind of commercially... I'm sure this still went gangbusters. It's fucking Green Day. But you can see this being a bit of a lull. It was a little bit of a slump, I think, in terms of, like, since being a major label. Also, though, and this kind of dates it really well, one of the contributing factors to that was that it got leaked on Napster three weeks before its release. Yeah, man. Oh, God, I missed the old internet. (laughs) Um, But it's like, where do you as a punk band sit with that? Like, that's an interesting tension in itself because the punk side would say, like, yeah, sick, you know? Imagine, like, downloading the whole record. It's like, all right. Right, fuck, it's finally here. Oh, wait, the album's already been out for like two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, compared to like, like the critical success of things like Dookie and stuff, and then yeah. there was this as a bit of a lull, and then immediately after this, they, they became the Green Day that they are today with American Idiot. You're right, Deej, and this, this is kind of the like the handshake bridging record between their 90s pop-punk success and then their 2000s pop-punk success. Yeah. Where yeah. they gal- galvanised a whole new generation of disaffected teenagers who like pop-punk with American Idiot. Mm. Worth when we're talking about slumps as well, noting that Insomniac, the record that came before this, also didn't really perform. No one yeah. really was picking it up either commercially or critically. Um, and I think that is part of a reason why they decided to lean more into to pop as well, potentially. Because mm. they were like, well, you know, this, this middle ground kind of thing that we're having there because it's you know like the seeds of becoming a pop band were already kind of there to begin yeah. with so it's like just double down on that a little bit more i think it's yeah. hard it must be hard as well if you're a pop punk band particularly one like green day that has like an awareness and, and a history of engaging with the punk scene yeah but it's hard to go from that middle ground of being a pop punk band towards punk like, yes, I don't that's think the community true. is ever going to be like... Once you've sold out, you've sold out. Yeah. yeah. And like, if, you've, if you're starting as a pop punk band, you already kind of are a little bit too sold out to ever get more hardcore, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm, so, you like, know you know, I mean? the, the punk community is never going to be like, man, the new Atari's record is actually, you know, yeah. the punk album of the year. Like, that's never going to happen. So if you want... Sorry, Chris. <laughs> if you want to grow, you kind of do need to find more ways to engage with the other side of it. And and I think this is a good example of Green Day doing that quite creatively. But I think it's interesting because we do see bands go from being more mainstream pop to being more uh, kind of critically acclaimed. I'm mm-hmm. thinking in particular, uh, just as an example that leaps straight to mind, of the 1975, right? Yeah, yeah. sure. That is super rare, though. Like, yeah, I, but I, it ha- I, I just it love it when happens. it happens. Like, yeah, like, it's fascinating. The, the biggest of all of them is Scott Walker. The guy from Fast and the Furious? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. um, <laughs> um, he was doing, like, in the Walker Brothers doing like, doing, like... <laughs> Radio oh, the publishing sun- company. Yeah, Walker yeah, Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Scott Walker doing like, like sunshine pop yeah. with his brothers and then... No, 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 make- not sunshine. The sun ain't going to shine anymore. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, and then didn't make a record for 10 years and then made avant-garde experimental records. Like, that's mm. the, like the, the codifier for it all. But mm. like... Radio fun- had a good example as well of True. kind of a more drawn out trajectory like that. Yeah. yeah. Bill Murray. Oh, what was the band that did um, It's My <laughs> Life? 
Um, bon Jovi. Bon Jovi. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, no, before that. Uh, oh, it's my band. life. Don't you talk, talk. Talk, talk. Yeah, yeah. 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 100% Spent pop. Yeah. And then yeah, yeah, really yeah. drawn back minimalist post-rock proto shit. Yeah. Um, yes. But yeah, so like, it's funny that like going from this and then, then after this American Idiot, where like they kind of, you know, they're like, you know what, we're making pop punk music again, but still with a bit more of a, a different edge, right? Because like that has that long song, like that Jesus of Suburbia or whatever, yeah. like goes for like yeah. nine minutes or something. Like, yeah. Yeah. So the song is based lyrically around, um, you know, warning signs and the idea that you shouldn't obey them. You should, you know, question everything. But the, the line that they actually say in the lyrics, question everything, comes after saying sanitation expiration date. Look, <laughs> I'm not a punk, so you can pull me up here if I'm wrong, but those to me are maybe not the best places to start. Like, is food poisoning and non-potable water just like... Mm. But, like, dudes, the, some of those that say, like, best before... If you, if, like, no, you, they're saying expiration date, man. They're saying best yeah, before. Expiration yeah, is different, different to best before. <laughs> That's like Because if, if the bread's a day old, then yeah. you, know, you can still make toast out oh, of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, but if you see... Um, we're talking moles. about fucking food. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about There's food really safety good. again. Yeah, we're talking, <laughs> you see mold, it's off. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's food safety. Uh, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> no, what are you going to no, say, no, Nathan? But, but no, if you see mold... on Twitter the other day when people were talking about the, like, learning to cook subreddit of, like, people who have just moved out of home for the first time and being like, it's like, what the hell? I bought this milk five weeks ago and I just went to use it. It smells really bad. Can I still use it? And it's like, wow. wow. That's... Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my sweet summer child. Yeah. <laughs> teach, yeah. teach your kids. Th- that milk is fine. <laughs> Definitely drink it. Yeah, that's, what- <laughs> that's what Green Day would say. Yeah. Have have a pint of the moldy shit, man. <laughs> oh, Go off. Lord. I'll keep drinking the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is our 10th Green Day song. That was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Right. It feels like we've talked about them more than that. They st- yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, Basket Case was '94, so we like they've been here from a season two. You know, yeah, nearly as long as us. <laughs> we were here in season one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, nice try, oh, oh, Billy you. Joe. Yeah. yeah, we've been here since day one. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing personal, Billy. <laughs> Help yourself to a big old pint of milk. Yeah. <laughs> Number 99, it's the return of Madison Avenue for the second of their two hits. <laughs> this is Who the Hell Are You? in the hottest 100 of 2000. Fuck, that's going to take some getting used to not being like the hottest 100 of 19. Oh, fuck. No, would it, would it, hang on, would it help you if you just go uh, in the hottest 100 and then I just insert Daniel Johns going... In the year 2000. 
sick. I mean, because like obviously it's a new can bit. We, do, well, we can do that for the rest of this episode. Because obviously, for seven years now, you've just been saying 1990, and knowing that you've got that much time to figure out what year you're talking yeah. about, like it's a bit of a safety net. <laughs> but um, <laughs> here, just not unsafe. <laughs> yeah, you just have to. Yeah, so you have to we'll know just, what year it is before you say. We'll just get Daniel to do it. Yeah. The, and then you'll sue us. But the, but the safety net of when, when it is established, saying 2000, will last quite a long time, right? Kind of. At least 10 yeah, years. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> All right, until start saying 20. Yeah. That's, that's it. Yeah, you don't say 2010. Mm. Gross. Fucking hell. It's <laughs> disgusting. It's, I feel sick. Yeah. yeah. Madison oh. Avenue. <laughs> Coming in. At number 99. In. The hottest 100. Of. Andrew. David. <laughs> what was a fucking bitch? <laughs> Nobody knows what I'm going to say. I just like the, the tempo of that whole exchange. I Fuck know, it up man. to the tempo. It's just... It was good. <laughs> Andrew. David. Who the heck are you? Mm, interesting like that question. Ge- uh, gene- uh, genealogy show. Uh, where we find out about your ancestors. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he takes a DNS. They should have used this song as the theme music for that. That would have been great. <laughs> and uh, given, I'm sure, some much needed royalties to the people in Madison <laughs> yeah, Avenue. Yeah. To both Madison and Avenue. And Avenue. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, the guy in, from in Pendulum. That, on, in the first episode, we are going to find out that Andrew is 100% that bitch. Mm, that's true. Um, <laughs> that's, that's who, that's who he the hell takes I am. DNA test. Yeah. <laughs> Lizzo's lawyers are firing up the phones. Um, give us a follow, Lizzo. Please, Lizzo, follow Lizzo, us. Yeah. Lizzo, follow us. I haven't heard any of your music, but people like it. So. Oh, dude, you should listen to our album. It's really good. Yeah, I've heard. Um, it's fun. Yeah. You don't need to listen to it a lot. No, no. Oh, or maybe you do, Lizzo. Mm, yeah. Maybe it's all you should... Oh, it's I've, I've blew it, guys. I'm sorry. Um, yes. Lizzo, Lizzo stopped the, listening. Um, the Lizzo-Frankie Muniz thing very was fucking very good, good. good. That yeah, was so Accessory. So what happened is, like, Frankie Muniz... He went, he went horny on Maine. He, just, he went mm. so horny on Maine. Fantastic. Like, to say, like, Lizzo, I want to live in your purse. Can I please be an accessory? Yeah. Step you can, on like, me, I'm a worm. Or something like that, yeah. Wow. He was super horny for her. And then, and then someone drew Met a picture like, of, of him on a leash carrying Lizzo's purse, and I think they both shared it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, man, shoot your shot, man. <laughs> like, not, not much a better use for fame than, like, shooting your shot at, like, the rappers you love. Like, yeah. Um, I, I just want to check that it's all above board, though. Hang on. How old is Lizzo? Lizzo is 31 years old. Super above board. Okay. Lizzo. 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 How old is Frankie Muniz? I want to guess. Frankie Muniz 38. is 33 years old. That's not so far off. That's fine. That's fine. That's, yeah. that's mega above board. <laughs> Frankie, I, I wouldn't have guessed it. Hey, look, I'm never going to not see him as a little kid, though. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I wouldn't have guessed that Frankie Muniz was the older person there. Yeah. Mm. Frankie Muniz is older than me. Yeah. <laughs> He's not in the middle. <laughs> Adam, he's, he's at the top, baby. He's always been older than you, too. <laughs> That's wild. Mm. Madison Avenue. <laughs> yeah. For, at, at one point, when he was born, Frankie Muniz was the youngest person alive. <laughs> and one day, he will be the oldest person alive. It will be just. It'll be just him in the wasteland, and then the. <laughs> Just Try, <laughs> trying to find Lizzo pics on Twitter. Oh, yeah. He would just watch that show. It's just it's, he's the lone survivor, like looking over the horizon, just saying, like, I guess I'm not in the middle anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and then he just hears in the wind. Life is unfair. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, Madison Avenue. Yes. Uh, this is, as, as you said, Deej, this is the other Madison Avenue song. Um, Reminiscing was a hit. It's not their fucking song. It was still a hit. <laughs> Whatever, man. Big we, reminiscing defender over here. Yeah. <laughs> we took a DNA test, said it was 100% that hit. <laughs> it was 100% Little River Band. <laughs> God damn it. Um, yes, this pretty similar to the other Madison Avenue song, um, Don't Call Me Baby. But worse. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's just a crappy version of it. <laughs> but it has the good. same kind of like house beat with like a almost disco groove and her waxing lyrical over like some kind of like girl powery kind of lyrics kind of thing not mm. really engaging but a bit in, worse yeah, you're not, not really engaging in feminist theory to a greater deal it's not really praxis um, <laughs> I feel like in this song I mean I, the, I'm the other Madison Avenue things there's a kernel of what could have been a modern day bubblegum bass or PC music-esque thing it didn't happen obviously mm. but it's, it's absolutely the kind of thing where listeners I'm sure you're all in a variety of uh, PC music shit posting groups <laughs> So you, so you will know... Be it the one Andrew and I are in or other ones. Yeah. So, um. you, so you will know that when I say, is this PC music, you'll know that joke. All right. um. just, and just to jump in for a quick explanation, PC music is a music label that uh, people like um, AG Cook, uh, Spinny, G- GFOTY, associated with Sophie, who's kind of the, one of the biggest proponents of that. Associated but she's with not PC, PC music. music. That's important. Yeah. That's Asso- part of the joke. Asso- associated with uh, Charlie XCX, associated with um, the sounds that Slater and Caroline Polachik kind of play with. Just that super stylized, like the genre of music is bubblegum bass, but because PC music was the first label associated with the genre sound, that's become the stand-in for the name of the genre. So this kind of, I feel like this song has a kind of chance that it could have been contemporary PC music as bubblegum bass, internet pop, like your Slater, like your Charlie XCX. It didn't, obviously, because it's crappy. And the context just didn't exist. Of course, that's the, that's the main know. thing, is that like, internet music wasn't a thing. No. Um, but, no. yeah, so this is just a weaker version of Don't Call Me Baby, which I'm going to go ahead and assume I said I didn't like, because I don't, yeah, I don't really. Think you liked it. Um, and this is just the worst version of that. Something I really don't like is there's heaps of just, like, background noise samples that kind of sound like just people in the background or... Yeah. Or, and oh, it's, yeah, it's got... It sounds like there's, like, a party going on in the yeah. back. It's, like, it's like, um, Got to Give It Up by Marvin Gaye. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, but also, um, just in terms of, like, weird background noise, whenever the chorus kicks in, there's this high, like, dog whistle synth that just starts, and that's the only difference in the music. Like, it's just like... <laughs> it's weird. It just goes... And then the neighbourhood dogs just go... I don't think I heard that. Maybe my hearing's too crappy to hear that, which is okay. <laughs> and I really don't like how much she keeps doing the thing with her voice. Like, Oh, for the longest time, I had no idea what the fuck she was saying in that fucking chorus. Yeah. Sounds like she needs a drink of water. <laughs> ah, if only someone could bring it to her in the middle of her performance. <laughs> in a glass. In a glass. <laughs> That's the best thing Objectively ever happened. Objectively the best thing that yeah. has ever happened yeah. at the ARIA Awards. Yeah. Uh, oh, wait. Second. Uh, my personal favourite thing that ever happened at the Arias was the time that, oh, God, what was his name? Sammy Davis Jr. Uh, was presenting the best newcomer, and the winner was Mark Holden, and Mark Holden couldn't come up to the stage to uh, accept the award because he was taking a shit. Yeah. I also really like... That's great. I also really like uh, when Paul Mack... Oh, thank the Ecstasy thanks, Dealers of it, Australia yeah, thank the for, ecstasy, their, for their yeah. Aria win for Sweetness and Light. Yeah, mm. fucked up some good shit. Very good. Yeah, they they uh, Aria posted a bunch of like clips from the uh, like awards archive like pretty recently, and yeah, they literally had to bleep out Ecstasy Dealers in his in his speech. Get a lot of these squares. But oh. also, Paul Mac just being the most handsome dude 
Oh, yeah, he was a suave motherfucker. Um, <laughs> speaking of the Arias, this spent two weeks at number one on the Aria charts. Not only that, it also won the Aria for best video. And I think if you watch the video... And understand that you uh, you understand everything you need to about the Arias. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Like, is, is it hmm. just her being horny? Like, it's kind of like uh, she's not being super horny. She, she, she looks hot and like, she, oh, she's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. She likes serving people at a bar. It's like, it's a, it, like it seems like it would be like a Russian styled vodka bar. Yeah, exactly. That's right, yeah, that's the good right. way to word it. That's and the, it's just yeah. her kind of like grooving in there and like. But also, kind she's of flirting being, with a woman. No, she's being like the gatekeeper because there's this because the the, the storyline is that there is a hot woman at the bar and she keeps getting bothered by by gentlemen, <gasps> men. And Madison of Madison Avenue <laughs> is having none of it. She's like, move on. This girl's Where's not. Avenue in well, there's well, that's good practice. That's good practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. yeah. So you know. This was before. Maybe, like, maybe it, it should have won <laughs> yeah. best best video and for the politics. Yeah, yeah, that's that's. But right. also in the video, um, Avenue gets out of his car at the start, <laughs> and he's listening. <laughs> and he's listening to this fucking song in the car. Yeah, yeah right. he's like you. you he needs to listen hits. to himself back. Yeah. Go get those hits up, you yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Streams. Um. All right. So I'm gonna do similar to what I did with Green Day and really make too much of a thing out of a one line. Great. But it really changes the whole idea of the song. When I was a little girl, my mama sat me down and told me all about the world. Mm -hmm. And she told me true. She told me one day you would probably break my heart in two. Um, Your mum's a fucking soothsayer. She's like literally predicting the future. Yeah. She's saying like someday. Her mom's like Nostradamus. Yeah, yeah. She's like she's like on some Oracle at Delphi shit, yeah. man. She's saying like there's gonna there's gonna be this guy and he's gonna break your heart in two. I Watch out for a fuckboy so, named Avenue. So <laughs> that reframes the song as being like this real like Oedipian Greek tragedy where, where, Matt, where Madison is like growing up knowing that heartbreak is inevitable. It's, I, it's, I, it has been written. I think it's because of her mother and if you're a woman, you know that there will be a fuckboy in your life. No, 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 but she names him. She says you no, would break I, my heart in two. Look, I'm it's all specific. for literal takes of songs, but... I th- I, I Read thought, the lyrics, man! I, th- I thought the you was the mum talking to Madison and, t- oh. and, and telling her, like... Oh. What, you know, like You're going to break your mother's heart. Yeah, the, the tragedy of your kid Whoa. becoming an adult. Whoa, really? That's, you what think I, it's that? that's what I interpreted it oh as. Oh, my God! I interpreted Whoa. it as talking about a guy, but yeah. not the specific guy she's talking to in the song. Yeah. Just her mum is saying, men are shit and they're going to fuck you up because they're shit. Then why would she say, like... Why would she use the second person in that? Because because she's saying like my mom told me about people like you, you know. My mom told me like about you. you. She said you because the, but the sentiment is the, the same. royal you. Yeah. <laughs> the editorial can I, you. Can I please just have Finish this as my please, as my yeah. as my Greek tragedy? Yeah. No, yeah. it's good. I, I like the take. I just like yeah, you thank know. you. I just want. I just wanted that. Cool. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I, I I always have heard it as she's talking to Madison. So wow. Like one day you'll break my heart. Look, <laughs> being a parent must be so shit. Yeah. You have it's a tough. Kid in canon, remember? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't take your guns to town by joining Cash. Saying, it's all I assume it's not just me that yeah. finds it shit, but just you know, like passage of time and and all of that and disappointment on both sides. Like, I don't think Blust is going to disappoint you. I was talking about Jeff. <laughs> oh, well, he was doomed from the start. <laughs> fuck Jeff. Like, that kid. Mm. I know he's like, Wait, what? No, fuck 
God damn it! No old bits. What, no, yeah, what, right. what, what year did we first bring up your child, your definitely real existing child, Jeff? Because that'll determine how old he is. Surely, maybe like, hey, four or five by now. Jesus Christ! Yeah. Hmm. I thought he was a bit old. I thought that he was already <laughs> like a few. Getting old. <laughs> yeah. Cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. <laughs> so wait, he's, he's like at kindergarten now. Yeah, or, yeah, sure. I, th- I would have thought a bit older, but um, I this song though, like it's just like very and partially it's like how it's been used since then, and like the arias, and, and but it's just very like Channel Nine commercial TV. Yes, yeah, like mum vibe. Like it's. Oh, you don't think mum's are... Oh, interesting. <laughs> That's what I'm funny as all. Well. I thought. Yeah. I think, I think yeah. being a mother is one of the most beautiful things you can do in your life. But yeah, right. Maybe you. Because you, your children break your heart. And it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe and Nathan's just... More, more of a dad guy, are you, Nathan? <laughs> think of like dad's rights guy. Well, as thing. a dad. Yeah. More as of a, a dad as, guy. As a busy working dad. <laughs> as a busy dad. As a DILF. Um, <laughs> do you have any psychic powers? Have you predicted the future of either of your children yet? Well, only that disappointment and sadness <laughs> lies ahead. Oh, fuck. You know... Nice dad. For both of us. <laughs> yeah, it's super the kind of song Are you wrong? You could, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the song you could definitely hear playing at the end of the Channel 9 news and they have the montage of shit that's meant to be sweet, like animals yeah, and stuff, yeah. or people surfing or whatever. You could hear this song play. Or, or it's like the song that plays on the block while one of the couple, couples are shopping for, like, garden stuff or whatever. Oh, God. And they're, like, having a bit of a fight. Yeah. And then this oh. starts and he's like, oh, God damn it. But it's also just mainly used as like a somewhat ironically engaged with queer aligned kind of dance song. I don't think it's used at all anymore. Well, but I mean, like if you were going to hear, like if I was at Stonewall and they dropped this, I'd be like, that checks out. Yeah. 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 I can see that. Yeah. It's kitschy enough and it's... Something else has gone terribly wrong in my night. It's close enough enough to disco. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Only because I don't go out in the cross. Like, oh yeah. (laughs) You know when you can kind of tell... When, like, a song is, like, an also-ran, anytime that there's been an instance of a two-hit wonder, you're just like, I'm pretty sure the only reason you're a two-hit wonder is that this is, like, pretty similar to the first hit. Mm. So, like, you're pretty much just a two-hit wonder on a technicality. I I think this is the prime example of that. This is this is definitely the B side uh, of the two. <laughs> yeah. Funny thing is, someone who like really stands one song but hates the other. Uh, yeah, you wouldn't Ooh. know what that's like. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Sai. <laughs> no, I like the other side songs. It's All right, like, so yeah. he says. It's just the daddy's the best one. Mm. Objectively, <laughs> you don't like you don't like Mummy, Andrew. <laughs> I should, no, it's just interesting. Is there a Sai song called Mummy? Fuck, you'd want to hope you're so. the Sai fan, my dude. Yeah. I'm not, oh, oh, oh. You're the you're the one who has the Sai poster <laughs> occupying think, the entire you, wall of your home. You bring into the, oh, yeah. the recording studio every week. You're the one who has the, the tattoo of Sai on your neck. <laughs> yeah, it's good, so prominent. That'd be a good bit to ruin my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it's a little like like cartoon version from yeah. the video clip. Yeah, just right there on the neck. But yeah, like this is real diminishing returns, and you can just tell like the the well was drying up like very very quickly. Yeah, needed some more water. Yeah, it definitely needed some more water. What if Madison Avenue could become a symbol for the drought <laughs> and kind of like a resurgence in Madison Avenue for the farmers that are doing it tough? Stream, who the hell are you? Yeah, exactly. So what you're suggesting, Nathan? Stream for streams, get it? Yes, stream for stream. Every stream of of the ARIA performance donates 
it's going to be like a cent yeah. to the farmer drought relief fund. I'm, I'm seeing a very, a very, very cursed like montage of like horrific drought footage set to who the hell are you? <laughs> and it's not okay. <laughs> it's really not okay. Sheep dying. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what breaks your heart. Yeah. The drought. Exactly. That's yeah. what she was predicting. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, she, okay. This song's about climate yeah. change. I, I'm p- p- picturing like. Barnaby Joyce imploring people to listen to Madison Avenue. <laughs> <laughs> Who the hell are you, Adam Bant, to tell us that? <laughs> to tell us farmers that we aren't struggling. <laughs> At number ninety-eight, it is Motor Ace with Death Defiant. Number 98 in the hottest 100 of... That is the song Death Defy. It is from their album Five Star Laundry. Nathan. Mm. Five Star Laundry. Yes. Much, much. Yeah. <laughs> no one else is worth, <laughs> it's, it's worth five stars. <laughs> it'd, be, yeah, it'd, be, it'd be pretty solid service. Hey, like, you'd have to build up a pretty solid reputation for yourself. To be awarded five stars. You'd yeah, have to be a exactly. really great podcast. Or maybe it's just like a like the industry has collapsed and it's like Uber and you're like, man, this is someone's livelihood. I like I better give them five. <laughs> it is morally so wrong of me to not give this person five stars. It's morally wrong to to not give a podcast. Five That's stars right. As well. Exactly. This is our livelihood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just throw forward to if we have a Patreon <laughs> <laughs> and or quit our jobs. <laughs> so I was the idiot who put this on, and I'm I'm just adding myself here and went. This doesn't sound like Lemmy. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I. I <laughs> I didn't get that far, but I, yeah. I did like glance at it and be like, wait, what? Oh, no. And I was like, you know, yeah. nearly. I was like, did they put out anything in 2000 that Triple J would have been? No. I no, they didn't. So. No. No. Instead, this is this man. Motorhead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this was on Five Star Laundry, but this that wasn't released until 2001. So this is well yeah. ahead um, yeah, so it's that. a pre, pre-release single. Yeah, they dropped a bunch of singles. Am I remembering this right, that this was the opening theme to The Secret, Secret Life, Life of, of Us? Us? Yes, yeah. it was. Did you watch that? Vaguely. Like, I was too young for it, yeah. but there's a lot of yeah. really fucking attractive people on that show. And a real, like, so many of them have gone on to do such big things, you know? Yeah, yeah totally. like me, but I, for instance. <laughs> yeah, I've slept with most of them. Wow. Yeah. Did you have the, our podcast on at the time? <laughs> yes. Good. They insisted. <laughs> That's the only reason I get laid in the first place, dude. I'm just walking around. They're just like, "Oh, you're the guy from the podcast." Oh my God, it's from yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> my, my impression of a human I don't being know why there. they sound like fucking homestar runner. Yeah. So, Motor Race, Melbourne band. It's just like 
solid late 90s Australian rock, kind of. Like, you can see mm. the links to bands like Jebediah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's very, just very hooky and very melodic and very yeah. working class. Yeah. yeah. But it's very heartfelt. It's, yeah, it is exactly. very heartfelt. I, th- I think it's that conviction that gets them over the line. Which places it, I think, more as like an early 2000s, late 90s thing as opposed to any earlier. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. yeah. I think like the only other band that I, I think really sounds like this with the same level of sincerity is kind of like the Super Jesus. Sure. Okay, interesting. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I can see that. But also, yeah. also, I'm getting some, uh, you know, it's a little bit before Taxi Ride. But Taxi Ride. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, Taxi Ride would have been around the same time. That yeah. was still creeping up slowly. Get Set definitely would have come out by this point. So these guys, there was a real push for them um, from the from the very kind of get-go. It seems it. Um, because they were signed to a collection of young Australian acts on a development label that was um, kind of hosted by Festival Mushroom Records called Sputnik, and that launched this year. And so they were one of the first kind of bands mm. um, on board with that. 28 Days, Machine Gun, Fellatio, and Nocturnal were also part of that. Oh, fuck yeah. And... I was reading an article that was written for music feeds by, I don't know, someone um, interviewing the the lead singer of this band. It was totally you, Deej. It was 100%. Who's I did, to I say? I didn't, realize, say? I didn't realize until I was halfway through that it was, <laughs> you'd actually written it. So, um, But they were, they were talking about how, to start with, they, they were put on this Triple J-supported tour that was just, like, really intense. Um, they were yeah, playing like a like, big regional run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They were like, playing shows, like, six nights a week and stuff like that. Mm. But also, like, the interview was really interesting, Deej. I'm sure you can Thank agree. Thank you very much. That, because he was talking about how... Um, they started Motor Race with this real idea that they didn't just want to be a band. They wanted to be a successful band. Like, that was always their thing. And that, and that kind That's of pressure... That's where a lot of bands trip up. <laughs> yeah, right? Totally. Yeah, so, and also just, just a super healthy aspiration to have. Very normal and yeah, very cool. It's not enough to just enjoy the creative process and playing music with your friends. You have to be, make bank off it. But this is the thing, like, he was saying, like, you know, like, of course we did still enjoy creating music and whatever, but, like, we, we just put all this pressure on ourselves um, because, you know, you just that's just what you you kind of end up doing or whatever. It's a very, very interesting article to read to get that kind of perspective and that kind of point of view because they talk about how really they, they regret not being more in the moment and not trying to enjoy it because they were always striving for results or whatever and how they did a reunion tour later on and they found that that was a lot more rewarding because they were able to just be a band and just able to, to kind of make mm. it more about music without because they were, they just like got into fist fights with one another because they oh. were just like, yeah, yeah, stuff like that. It's a fascinating read. Yeah. The um, it's like it's a fine song. I just like like kind of post grungy. I, I like when the whole band comes in. There's a bit of like nice kind of like shimmering guitar effects going on. Like it's nothing super remarkable, but it's it's classic. Like ah, it's in at ninety eight. Yeah, 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 like it, yeah. yeah. It doesn't like drag its ass or anything. Like it's a perfectly serviceable piece of rock music. And and these guys are canonical for kind of like that very particular style of of late. 90s early 2000s Australian rock mm. like this is this is what it sounded like in Motor Race are one of those kind of enduring names as you know like an icon of that kind of time and whatever and The Secret Life of Us also mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, first soundtrack hour song then for the countdown it well, is yeah. 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 yes yeah. it is yeah this would have been like a year or two before Secret Life of Us yeah, started I think that started in 01 yeah so. so I reckon yeah like if they re-released it as a single or something like that it probably probably would have gotten a sweet bump and gotten way up um, but yeah for, for at the time it just was what it was which is just a very yeah like catchy endearing bit of melodic Australian rock music and, like, I don't know what it is, 
but like you can just tell sometimes that a band is Australian. Like even before they've opened their mouth and started singing, there's just something in the way that the chords are played or just that particular tone. I I, I can't quite put my finger on it, but there's like. But I'm with you. Yeah, you, yep. you get what I mean. Yeah, I like yeah. that, that band, like something for Kate, and a band like Jebediah, and a band like Motor Race, and yeah, any of these bands can sound like uniquely Australian. The two big ones for me are the Dirty Three and the Drones. Yeah. Like, Mm. the Drones, obviously. Like, every Drones song sounds like the outback and you're walking on like crushed leaves and shit. Like, yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I always think of it like I'm sitting on the back of a ute and I'm wearing a flannel and I have a Kelpie and I'm just yeah. sneering at people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like, we're, get the fuck You know off. who you're sneering yeah. at? Those fuckheads in the city. Oh, oh I am. Yeah. Look, let's not paint them as like these guys who are like. <laughs> like to uh, be fair, uh, Gaz no, and Fee do live like in the country. very fucking yeah. regional. Yeah. yeah. No, but that's the thing. Like, it, it makes that authentic in a way. Yeah. That's the thing. I'm not saying that as like kind of like, it seems like I'm describing a caricature but when I listen to the drones I go like no fuck yeah that ah, yeah let's talk about the drones yeah <laughs> let's, let's, oh, I mean I would yeah. <laughs> droning about the drones yeah. episode one <laughs> we always have to speak quick it's, it's yeah. the thing yeah. we're like this or, or like, wait long like, enough and you'll wait to see the five stars <laughs> drift through the iTunes store I wasn't sure about them at first and then they changed the podcast to being about the drones exclusively <laughs> and I really got into it yeah. Gaz <laughs> <laughs> From Gaz I like this song quite a bit It's not my favourite Murder Ace song But it is like a really Yeah just endearing Very very catchy song I think it's better than The Friends theme song Oh Yeah but Murder Ace don't do this so it's that thing as well. We, we always talk about it At this end of the countdown It's nice to have a record Of the Australian music scene At this point in time Of just the bands That were just Touring and playing Or whatever And you yeah. know, yeah. didn't yeah. make it as big as other bands or whatever, but it's just kind of there, and that record is really good. And still beat Green Day. True. You know? Well, this probably wasn't leaked on Napster three yeah. weeks beforehand, yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. Number 97, this is Klinger with Ben Lee. in the hottest 100 of with their song Ben Lee not to be confused with Ben Lee the singer no this is Ben Lee the song yeah also not to be confused with the Atari Mm, song Ben Lee Ben Lee you suck I was gonna say which which, Ben Lee has covered which Ben Lee himself has covered did Ben Lee even acknowledge this song at all though because it would be incredible to just not I I have no idea I'm I'm sure that fucking Adam has been like face deep in like juice magazine from like 2000 (laughs) trying to find a quote or something like that but uh, to my knowledge uh, Ben Lee has not acknowledged this 
Ben Lee. Imagine being a guy who has like two at least two him. bands in mm-hmm, a time mm-hmm. writing writing kind of diss tracks about you. Yeah. He, he really rustled some jimmies. Yeah. He did. So I remember hearing this song like just being played on Triple J as a kid and I was just like are they singing about Ben Lee? Like, like the guy Ben Lee? Like, why are they? Why are they doing that? I, I, I figured. It, I figured it was like one of those things where it's just like, oh, they might be doing it to try and get the attention of, like, how the androids did do it with Madonna and like named all these other pop singers and stuff like that. It's just like, yeah, you're really like shooting big there. To just like, hey, notice me, notice me, notice Man, me. What a f- fucking song that. Do it with Madonna. Do we have to talk Whoa, about what? that? We do. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. God. That's gonna be in there. I'll save it for them. Save yeah. your age. Please do. <laughs> Maintain it. <laughs> Build it up slowly yeah. over time. We're waiting two years, and he's just like, it's so fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> I've, come, I've come. I've come. I used to hate it, but you know, I spent two years rethinking and <laughs> meditating on my hate. I came. <laughs> right? I came to peace with the dark side of myself and realized that there are only good songs. <laughs> what a you, fucking genius! You achieved your ascendance. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he he leaves. It's just yeah. like mu- talking about music is meaningless, and he just floats through the ceiling because it's all good. <laughs> so well, look forward to that, Andrew. Yes, great. Yeah. This did okay. Like it was like it got in the top forty of the charts, which is like a weird thing wow. to think about. Yeah, um, and like they did a couple of like international like tours, opening for international bands and stuff like that. So like they were like a minor success story, but yeah, like it kind of peaked around this particular song, and you can tell it was just kind of a it was just like a very like of the time sort of thing. Ben Lee was like kind of a hot button topic for a little while there, and it's just like oh, you, I reckon we could get a good rise out of people if we fucking do this song. Yeah, yeah is it a bit bandwagony? Uh, oh, totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely an opportunistic song. It's very catchy, like the what are ohs and shit like that. That's some of the stuff I remember kind of vividly. Yeah, it's it's a catchy, yeah, like cutesy garagey song. Kind of reminds me of like Super Chunk a little bit. Yeah, or a bit like uh, Matthew Sweet. But yeah, it's just like yeah, kind of garagey, loose Aussie pop punk sort of power pop it's not too demanding but also no one's favorite fucking band no one's favorite fucking song like it's a real kind of like oh you guys were there too i remember that yeah, yeah. it's cute enough i like the intrinsic australianness of writing a song taking a jab at ben lee like or like the, the type of character that ben lee and is. the particular way that they yeah. take it if it was any other nation really like if this was an american band you could be like oh this is a sincere song but because it's an australian band and you know that they're taking the piss yeah. because all they're basically saying is like Ben Lee sleeps with movie stars and gets everything he wants. And- he slept with a movie star. Okay. <laughs> Still- He's just sitting there being like, oh my God, that was one time. <laughs> um, he was dating Claire Danes at this mm. point for oh. who wants clarification on that. Oh. <laughs> she wasn't in the secret life of us, mate. I know that their marriage is old, but she should have stuck it out with him if only to save us. From his fucking Awake is the New Sleep breakup record. I'll say it before we get to talk about uh, that. Look, he's fine. He's married to fucking I own Sky now. Yeah. Fucking Donovan is his is his father-in-law, which makes so much sense. <laughs> but it's like it, the only the only real thing that you get that's kind of an idea of it of it being a diss is saying, like, I you know, like I, I'm a genius like Ben Lee, like stuff like yeah. that. But yeah, I, yeah, I, I yeah. like the self-implication in there as well. That's like, true. Maybe that's like, why I'm ben arrogant didn't like Ben Lee. Uh, you know, yeah, I'm arrogant like yeah, Ben Lee. I'm it, a genius like Ben Lee. It's like it, you're 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 punching you're punching up for a start. Yeah, and you're also punching yourself. Yeah, yeah it, it feels like, like more of a, like a soft-hearted jab than it does a sincere 
Ben Lee is a dickhead. I can't help but compare it to the song by, uh, is it Melbourne Mad Root or is it DC3, Henry fucking Wagons? That's, uh, I believe that's DC3. DC3, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is about Henry Wagons and it's just like... Which is funny because they've become friends since. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's the same kind of like right. uh, self-deprecating tall poppy kind of thing. Yeah. But much funnier. Like I don't think this song is funny enough, mm. but... It's yeah, fine. I think it's probably it goes, it goes all right. Yeah. Hey, you mentioned um, Root. Did you know that? Oh, I was going to use the damn it out of you, tell it. <laughs> I'm just setting it up for you, yeah. my dude. No, no, we want to encourage them yeah. to to talk about um, tism and related uh, projects yeah. more. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll wind back. You know, hey, you mentioned Root. I wonder. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> uh, but I wonder whether this uh, has any links to any other. Uh, yes, Klinger. Um, uh, from the the brief stub of a Wikipedia article they have, there's a fun fact on there, which is that they are one of the many bands to appear in the film clip for Thunderbirds Are Coming Out oh, by yeah. little-known Melbourne outfit, Tism. Ah, oh, Tism! <laughs> so it, 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 it took us four songs oh God, the fucking the year <laughs> before we fucking talked about the unsung heroes of Australian rock music. Great. Tongues in swollen mouths. There you go. You feel good? Yeah. There's a good tism line about Ben Lee in The Birth of Uncool, where oh, it was like, that? take me back to Uncool, where Ben, ben Lee still dates that chick from high school. It's <laughs> good. Good song. Good shit. I also like what this says, that like Ben Lee can get insanely high in the last two countdowns um, in terms of his chart position. And he can also get insanely <laughs> high on Ayahuasca. Yeah. True he, story. He also um, did a lot of peyote uh, when he made yeah. that weird... Of course he did. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so he can't get insanely high. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll save the drug uh, type until Flying on, on planes when okay. he's touring internationally uh, yeah. as well. <laughs> Quite high. Yeah. Um, I reckon peyote would be a weird one to do, man. Oh, like imagine trip. peyote on a plane. Plane-ody. 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 Next flight, guys, I'm in. <laughs> I, I, psychedelics on an aircraft, no. See you no. on the, see you on the other side. Hey. horrendous. But also, like, I like what it says that, you know, like, he can he can get those positions, but he can... A song bagging him out can also get a position yeah. in yeah. this countdown. Yeah. I like what that says about the Triple J audience. I like that what it says about uh, Triple J airplay. You know. Yeah. yeah. It's nice. It's nice. It's true. At number 96, this is Silverchair with Paint Pastel Princess. Triple J Hottest 100 of Coming in At number 96 This is Paint Pastel Princess This is the final single from their 1999 album Neon Ballroom 
All right, Adam, we have talked at length about all the uh, big and beloved songs from this album. We are coming to the end of the Neon Ballroom era, and we are doing so with uh, probably one of their more underrated singles, in my humble opinion. That's exactly right, and that's why I love this, because like this isn't included on the greatest hits. No. And I love that the Triple J audience were onto this song enough to get it in this position. Yeah. Like, because it it seriously is a little bit of a sleeper, but definitely one of the best tracks on Neon Ballroom. And one that I I think, because it's less kind of overplayed and it's less kind of popular, it occupies that kind of special place where you feel like you kind of have more ownership over it and you have this ability to kind of just like be more more personal with it and and have that kind of deeper connection that's the kind of beauty of this so it's i'm super super psyched to have it here because that's always the relationship that i kind of had with it as well you know it's not it's not a, a given that people love paint pastel princess i um like i mentioned last season one of the best discoveries for me was listening to this album properly for like the like first real time to hear the album in full. And this um, comes towards the back end of the record. I think it's one of the last yeah, few yeah, tracks. Yeah, that's um, right. And I enjoyed the whole record. And this came on, I'm just like, fuck, they keep surprising me. Yeah. It's still so fucking good. Really like, good. Really great, man. Like, it's so funny that like the lyrics kind of only take up the first half of the song and the second half is just kind of this string accompanied jam that goes on and And i yeah i mean the strings are definitely the star here i think like this song so good this song uh i think signposts the direction that silverchair are going to take very Mm. soon with diorama yeah um probably more than any other song i'm like emotion sickness potentially but even that is like a lot darker and grander than anything that they explore on diorama but this is like when I hear this, I go like, okay, I hearing this song, I understand how that was the next thing that you guys are going to release. Because, you know, not only is that in that lush kind of orchestral arrangement coming through there, but also just the lyrics as well. There's, yeah. It's a little bit more obtuse in, in its meaning than some of the other songs that we've, we've had from Daniel John so far. Because I yeah. think moving into Diorama, the songwriting gets way more obtuse. You know, like it's... Um, yeah. It's a lot harder to pass kind of what it what what the song is is kind of about. Um, by um, the time it gets to dissociatives, like fucking uh, get out of here. Got, got no idea. Oh my god. He, Daniel Jones has gone on record saying he has no idea what the fuck he was writing at any point. <laughs> oh, that's reassuring. <laughs> Cause like I thought I was missing something. Oh no, no, no. So like, okay, but this gave me an opportunity to really like attempt to kind of get some meaning from it. I think this is a song really about struggling with identity and trying to figure yourself out and figure out how to present yourself or how to live with yourself. Like there's, there's mentions of self-rejection. Aropax is a word that I, that is mentioned in this song that I didn't know. turns out it's an SSRI. It's an antidepressant. Mm. So it's about that, that tension of trying to, to sort yourself out. But I think in the end, what, where it lands is that you, you know, you really find your release when you abandon that. Mm. Which I think is the chorus, right? But it's all the same to me. Like that repetition of at the end where he just keeps saying, "But it's all the same to me." So good. Well, the drop into oh, the chorus and, and that and that like minor key change, totally. like into that completely different like quarter wheelhouse. The down and that's when, yeah, yeah. And that's when the strings really kind of come yeah. in, and the way it kind of bounces just kind of lifts you like, up. Because transpo- like the main bit is in C sharp, and then it changes over in that bit. Just a da 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 da. I think that's like a maybe like a G sharp or like just a straight G. And it's just like, it feels like 
just wonky enough to be out of place. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, it goes back into the normal stuff again. Obviously, Daniel does a great job here. Ben has a couple of great moments. The big, big toms. Oh, even the, dun, the, dun, the, dun, the drum beat that kicks off the oh, song is really, oh, is really yeah, kind yeah, of Yeah, just those nice energetic. little tom rolls and stuff like that. Yeah, it's really nice. But, yeah, of course we do have to give huge, huge love to the strings. Uh, now, we talked about how, uh, yeah, that would, like, influence later works. Yeah. Uh, and the late, the last two uh, uh, albums had string arrangements from a guy called Van Dyke Parks, uh, who worked with Brian Wilson and like was like a veteran of like string arrangements for for records and stuff like that. Actually, he was the one who gave Daniel Jones the nickname Young Modern. And that's how they got the name for the last record. Mm, yeah. uh, but for this, the woman who uh, did the string arrangements to this record was a woman named Jane Scarp and Tony. Now, she also did the string arrangements uh, for a couple of songs on Freak Show, notably Cemetery. And after I did a little bit of digging, found out she does or has done string arrangements for a bunch of records that I love and a couple of people in this room love. So one, another one of my favorite records of 1999, like a matter of months uh, before Neon Ballroom came out, uh, the final Ben Folds 5 record, the unauthorized biography of Reinhold Mesner. She did the string arrangements for that. Wow. Uh, R.E.M.'s album Green. Uh, she did the string arrangements for that. A couple of Sheryl Crow records, uh, like a couple of Crash Test Dummies records. Huh. Uh, Hello Nasty by the Beastie Boys, huh. uh, and purely for one person in this room, The Seer by Swans. No way. Yeah. Huh. She did the string arrangements for that as well. Gets around. Bob Mould, Lou Reed, Bruce Springsteen, Ween, Suzanne Vega. Like, this woman has fucking done it all, man. Like, there's some real impressive shit here. So I just, like, we've talked at length about how fucking great Silverchair are as a unit, but I just want to give a shout out to Jane for her string arrangement work on this record, especially that fucking lonesome fucking cello that just comes in during the fucking, mm. that mm. first verse. And it's just... Oh, it just it fits the song so beautifully, and that's the thing. Like, uh, as opposed to "Emotion Sickness," which is a song which is really built around the string arrangements, the string arrangements never really overtake the song. They they serve everything. Yeah, they, you exactly. Know, like sometimes string arrangements are just way too much. They have their opportunity to shine. I'm thinking particularly of the instrumental sections of this song where they really kind of come to the fore and it's gorgeous. And in the chorus, they definitely are one of the main instruments that kind of carries that melodically, but they're never kind of pulling attention too much away from what's going on in the song. Yeah, when I initially was writing notes for this, I, I wrote string driven and then I had to delete that because I don't think the strings mm. drive it. They accompany string it really supported. Well. Yeah. 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 I, I was also trying to pass the lyrics a little bit myself as well. Um, yeah. Trying to determine me. I, I, I didn't really come to a strict conclusion, but they're just like themes of longing and loneliness totally. and desire yep. and stuff like the waste life on youth is sweeter neater content with contents this yeah. idea of like maybe he's feeling like a, an age issue here they're becoming like an older man he's still young as fuck totally here. yeah but yeah, like yeah. the idea of like oh, I was easier when I was younger and I was just content with being content it was, it was more fun to waste life then when you when yeah. life was sweeter kind of thing but totally, yeah it's yeah. just very on brand for the kind of work that they're playing with here, both lyrically and texturally with the song. But it's a fucking wonderful song. It's just so on brand for how Silverchair were operating as a unit at this point, how they yep. knew how to use the studio to their advantage. Like, it's just absolutely exactly what Neon Ballroom is as a record. It's playful as well in a lot of, in, in ways that a lot of other Silverchair songs aren't. I, like, I think yeah. it's even, like, slightly flirtatious. Mm. I, don't know, I don't know what's exactly giving me that vibe, but that's kind of a vibe that I get. In fact... There's something about the songwriting and, and the use of strings that almost 
almost reminds me of like Grace era Jeff Buckley. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. It only really occurred to me the last time I heard it, but I'm like, oh, you know what? Yeah, kind of. Mm. Um, so yeah, um, I, I carried emotion sickness with me as like the main champ throughout mm. most of last season. And fair and enough too. What a song. Just kind of making it easy for me, Silverchair. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> you know, don't have to worry about those early early champs. I, I'm not super convinced by this one. I Ooh. don't know. Yeah. Oh. I don't know. Here we but go, I, spicy boy. I, yeah. Fuck what you got. Well, I just like, I, I obviously have much less of a sense of the context of the album and Silverchair more generally, but I just like, like it was good, but I, I wasn't blown away in the same way that I was by Emotion Sickness and the other tracks from this album. Sure, okay. That we've heard. Um, I found the instrumental section to be a bit just for the point of it. Like, I, I just wasn't engaged. And oh, yeah. maybe that's also because the lyrics are a bit more obtuse and so I didn't have as direct an emotional end to the song as I did, obviously, Anna's song, Emotional Sickness. Mm-mm. Very, like, straight away, like, cool, I know what's going on here and yeah. so everything that's built around that makes a lot of sense. Mm. Totally. And so okay. I'm not sure if it's just I'm not familiar enough with it. And I didn't hate it. Like it, it's it's obviously a, a well written song or whatever. But I wasn't, you know, I wasn't like. Wow. I, think, I think it's a it's a messier and more imperfect song mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, which I actually say as a as a plus point because sometimes you don't want perfect and you want yeah. something that's got some rough edges or some tenuous threads or some or, or more unfinished ideas as, as present as part of the the fabric of the song. I think that's what is at play here, and maybe that's just not hitting it for you. Maybe I get what you're saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I love it. But that was nice. It's nice listening to that. This is also what I imagine our listeners will say. That brings us to the end of yet another episode of Hottest 100s and Thousands. Thank you so much for being here. We are so psyched to be back. Uh, we are Season, what number is this? Eight, baby. Bitch. God damn it. <laughs> the Ocho. brand. Yeah. Yes. I'll try, I'll try and be smarter this season, guys. <laughs> Brains are... Bucket of crabs that someone <laughs> shit in. <laughs> it was bucket me. Of crabs. Yeah, the bucket of crabs metaphor. It's like a metaphor for like, tell me, we live in a society like like crabs. That like, if you get a bucket and the crabs are all in there, and they like they could individually each of them could climb out, Hello. but they climb up there and they always get Hello. pulled back down. Uh-huh. The crabs. Hello, I'm still in this bucket. Uh, I love I love being in this bucket. I'm fresh crab. Um, crabs. Yes. Sort it out. Be allies. Yeah. Hey. Well, like it's a metaphor you, for man. humanity. So humanity also sorted out. Well, let, let we the, live in a society. Listen. We live in bucket, man. <laughs> but the crabs problem huh? seems a little bit more straightforward. So mm. I think if well, the, they probably think that our problems are more straightforward. They I don't probably, think shit. You know, I'm just crabs. Well, that takes some fucking nerve from the crabs. <laughs> the, crab, the, the crabs. The, the, the crabs call their bucket of crabs like climate change or yeah. you know society. Not having capitalism It's like well, it'd be very easy if they cooperated to have a <laughs> equal society where no one is oppressed. But um, they just can't do it. There's too many, you know, proverbial crabs in their bucket. <laughs> this reminds me of a great talk that my good friend Jordan Peterson once oh, had. Yeah. How clean is your room? Don't you don't want to fucking get me started, don't <laughs> Nice. <laughs> that'll that'll fucking show him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey well, yeah. Hey, do you think this episode went alright? We're gonna continue doing this oh, season or what? Yeah, it was great. I think we might have to. Well, I'm ready. There's one thing we have season. to do. Before we go. Yes. Well, yeah. Shut up, Nathan. I'll cut you off. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. We're not friends anymore. I just want to say I was ready for this season to heal Australia, but that's <laughs> fine. We're, we're going to do it. We're going to reclaim Australia. Oh, no. Yeah. You meant yeah. bad. 
<laughs> okay, we are going to pick our favourites and our least favourites from this episode. In tandem, we will be beginning the ever-continuing story of Carryover Champ and Carryover Champ. And, and this season, we'll remember to mention the overall champion chump in the last ep, which we yeah. didn't do last season. Because oh, we yeah. were in Canberra. We were in Canberra. Yeah. It's hard yeah. to remember things when you're in Canberra. And then Canberra. Y2K happened. Yeah, yeah look. It was, a, it, it was a troubled time. My favourite for this week, I am going to go with Paint Pastel Princess by Silverchair, thus deeming my first carryover champ of the countdown. And for carryover chump slash my least favourite song of this week, I'm going to go with Who the Hell Are You by Madison Avenue. That's got to be the whole groups, yeah. I'm going to give it to Warning uh, as my champ over, hey. over Silverchair. Cool. Um, but but otherwise, yes. Yeah, but my, you are correct for me as well. Yeah, yep. same. Yeah, Champ and you know is Silverchair, Madison Avenue is the stinker. Well, we are here. Everything is set up. We are ready to go. I got my copy of 12 Rules for Life. <laughs> I am I'm thriving right now. We um, are here in the 21st century and we are not going anywhere. Uh, Welcome we get, to the Willennium. The Willennium. Uh, uh, well, technically, it starts next year. Thank you. my fucking thank you. Heart. And this season, if you haven't already, give us a like on Facebook. We, we have this, the name yeah. there. You can follow us on Twitter, Hottos100s. Instagram. Um, Instagram. Instagram, Hottos100s and thousands. You can email us at Hottos100s at gmail.com. There is a fan-created subreddit if you want to have a chat with other fans at reddit.com slash r slash hottest 100s and 1000s. I'm we there. Offer- uh, my username is jbp4eva. <laughs> yeah. So what's his, what's his middle name? A bitch. I don't know. <laughs> so there's many ways for you to connect with us. And of course, as always, give us a five star. On behalf of Mr. Adam Bunch. See ya. Mr. Andrew McDonald. Good night. And... Mr. Nathan Harrison. Bye. My name is David B. Peterson. Everything is good for you. It begins again. Another 100. Oh, my God. Fuck. When will they end? <laughs> Other people say about us. <laughs> I, I guess. Yeah. I've been saying it for a while. I was only doing this when we're in our, like, mid-40s. I mean, that's the trajectory. I know, Like, right? you, you extend this out. When we, when we get yep. old, slightly older and realise that time is actually precious... Mm. Um, ah, it's okay. I don't talk about it. <laughs> it's okay. Oh, it's sorry, okay. I, I got too real. Okay. I got Plus too five. real. Plus okay. five. Plus five. Plus <laughs> five. <laughs> Life is unfair